Welcome to Real Talk, Real Women. Today, we are welcoming Alicia Ann Wade. Here is her full story. It's a longer bio than usual, but it's truly worth it. So apart from having her daughter, her defining moment came in 2015 when she lost everything. The six-figure salary, the husband, the house, the car. She is simplifying, but the gist is she had been living the way everyone else expected she would be growing up, and she was not happy. She was a captive in jail of her own life rather than experiencing life. Since then, she has rebuilt after losing everything and lost 30 kilos, meaning 60 pounds about. Alicia was awarded the 2020 ICG Australian Life Coach of the Year, has written an Amazon bestseller, and is finishing her first marathon in 2021, which means that it has been finished already. Yes. All because she realized if she included gratitude in her daily practice, everything within her life and business would fall into place. The gratitude method trademarked, do not take it from her, but you can use it. <laughs> she is a life coach helping teenagers with anxiety and a business mentor using positive psychology to help entrepreneurs build their lives, businesses, and leadership skills. Currently, she is studying her master's degree in applied positive psychology to assist with her passion in positive psychology and personal development to help herself as well as others. And with the success of her book, Be Outstanding, Five Simple Steps to Turn Your Life's Mess into Success, she is also an author mentor. Yes, after failing high school English. You can do it too. That great job she lost brought her to where she is now. Her background includes 20 years in childhood education, working with multi-million dollar businesses. She worked her way up to operations, so she understands structures, goal setting, and benchmark, benchmarks, as well being grateful and thankful for all the people supporting you in your businesses. Most valuable of all, she understands people. Aside from business, fitness, and coaching qualifications, she is a former educator of the year with skills in action-taking, finishing what she starts, and being a non-judgmental leader. Alicia's clients are often high achievers who are at burnout. She teaches them to slow down with gratitude, self-care, and habits before they speed up again. She shows them what is possible and how to use the skills and strengths they may not know they have. She is absolutely amazing about community and charity work, running and new experiences. If you work with her, you need to bring what transformed her life, consistency. She will tell you what she tells her partners and friends, be ready for some fun and keep up with her. Awesome! Welcome, Alicia! <laughs> thank you so much. And I just want to say thank you so much for inviting me and for all the conversations we've had leading up to this moment. Oh, God. Absolutely amazing. So today we talk about from crappy to happy, which makes a lot of sense understanding your life story. 
Correct, correct. It was quite crappy, let's say that. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Alicia, my first question. Can you please run us through the ups and downs of your life story, maybe starting before 2015, like in your childhood already, to have an idea, okay, what what are your big events in life that shape who you are today? Sure, sure thing. Um, so we'll go right back to my childhood where you know, the first eight years of any child's life is, it conditions them for the rest of their lives. And un, um my childhood was up and down. So I had the best childhood, but I also had negative impacts occur in my life as well. Um, my dad, my father, he was an alcoholic. And so I was exposed to that at quite a young age from early infancy, toddlerhood, and seeing him abuse alcohol. And he has overcome drug addiction as well. So he's he's a bit of a hero in my eyes because he's so blessed to be still here because there have been close calls for him. Um, and so that led to things happening later in life, which I'll talk about later. In in primary school, um, there's some defining moments in primary school that I can really remember very, very clearly like it was yesterday and bring myself back to that. I was that little fat child, if you want to label me, and a lot of the children used to tease me, call me names, and it used to really bring me down. And this was the start of the inner critic that started to build up with these negative affirmations going in my mind. And it was the inner bully, I call it, that used to tear me down. Not only was it coming from the outside, but that was the start of the negative impacts and the embedded mantras in my mind on who I was and who my identity that I was starting to grow and starting to develop Uh, because in those in those ages you're developing that strong sense of identity who you are where am I in this world what is my purpose here and this was the thing everybody was leading me on this journey of who I needed to be and guiding me on what I should do what society should tell us to do how we should act what we should do where we should work who our peers should be and as I grew up into high school the teasing still continued I went to a different high school to my primary school friends or elementary so elementary to high school wherever you are in the world Um, so in Australia we call it primary and high school and when I went into high school the teasing still continued on so it was, it, I had some great friends. At the same time, I had some horrible people around me that would bully and tease me for what I looked like. And so that created negative body images for myself, thinking that I was fat, that I was stupid. And these were the sort of things that I started to tell myself that I was stupid and dumb. And it led to very negative things in my life, alcohol abuse, because that was my coping mechanism, because I saw that from other family members on how to deal with things, well, emotions mainly. And what I discovered was um, I discovered the nightlife as well at a very young age, at the age of 13 to 14, and got myself caught up in the wrong crowd, as they say. But to me, it was like, oh, wow, I found a place where I belong, where people actually accept me. 
However, there was drug abuse and fake feelings of um, happiness because when you're taking substances, it gives you that euphoric feeling. It gives you endorphins. So, of course, I was feeling happy instead of crappy, but it was the wrong sort of happiness that I was searching for. And this kept spiralling through my teenage years into my 20s. And I had loads of negative things happen. I was meant to be a mother at the age of 15, and unfortunately the baby is not here. I had to make a really harsh decision on whether I keep the baby or not, and that nearly led to uh, me nearly dying as well because the procedure wasn't done properly. So I had a close call with death at the age of 15, and a lot of people say, how did you live through this? And I go, I don't, still to this day, I don't know how I lived through all of the negativity that was just manifesting and kept bubbling and bubbling. However, there was still that strong strive to be the best that I could be, trying to figure out what is happiness, who should I be? And I was guided into going into early childhood education and care when I finished high school. Unfortunately, when I did go into my high school certificate, Um, I ended up failing my high school certificate. So all of my exams I sat in, I got either between 30 to 40% for each of my exams. I wasn't applying myself because obviously I had other substances and wasn't here to concentrate or put that dedication, determination and concentration into getting those high marks. I sort of gave up on life. And it was for my auntie, She goes, Alicia, you're really good with children. She saw how good I was interacting with children. And so I went on this journey of studying early childhood education and I went from failing high school to then getting one of the top awards in early childhood education in my diploma and got one of the four um, awards. So I got Innovation of the Workplace in TAFE. And that gave me that that little sign of hope to say, hey, you're not that dumb after all, keep going. However, this was making other people happy. This is what people saw I was great at. It wasn't actually, I was passionate in it. I still am. I'm a big advocate for early childhood education. I found a love for it. However, it was the external world telling me what to do and I was people pleasing and doing what others were saying, not me making those own choices in life. Because one thing that I've learned to this point is we have choices. We can say yes or no. At the end of the day, you want to make sure that that's hap- it makes you happy ultimately, not, for the, not making other people happy in the sake of your own happiness. And so I continued on this journey of early childhood education and worked my way up in the corporate industry. So I went from being an educator, interacting with children, to then becoming uh, an assistant director, to then becoming a director in early childhood education. And my career started to grow and grow. And I went, wow, I'm more capable than what I anticipated back in high school. This fat child that used to get teased and had negative things happening around her actually can excel in things. And then I discovered I wanted to become a director in early childhood education, which I did. And prior to becoming that, I actually completed my Bachelor of Teaching birth to five years. However, just before getting that degree, 
a year, uh, three years before that, I actually enrolled and uh, gave myself a automatic withdrawal and failed because the teachers had identified that I couldn't read and write properly. And so I had to put myself through English writing skills courses because I had a learning difficulty. So all of these years with this learning delay from very young in primary school to high school, this being called dumb was actually the cause of learning difficulties that I have. Some people could label me as having dyslexia. Some people have labelled me as ADHD. I'm not labelled with anything. All I know is that whatever weakness I had, I've turned it into my strength and I've worked and practised on gaining those skills because with any skill, there may not be one strategy to do it. There are multiple different strategies and I've had some amazing mentors to help me so I can strengthen my English my English skills and also my writing skills and even further, my verbal communication skills because um, a little bit of background information as well. I had a bit of social anxiety. So calling up for a pizza on the phone, I would have to get my family to do that. And that was at the age of 20 as well. So I was like living in this little box, scared of the world, fearful because I had so much negative impacts because I, I hated the world, the world hated me. And that was the little mantra that I was playing in this mind, just con continuing and manifesting this negative impacts that was creating this reality in my external world, which then ultimately made me feel really crappy inside. So once I gained that bachelor degree, I then became an operations manager. I, I hit into the top, top tier of being in the industry and went, wow, I was looking after 14 childcare centres with hundreds of employees, managing behaviours, managing problems, managing the stress, the, um, the real time restraints. So everything had to happen yesterday, not today. So it was very sped up life. On top of that, I had got myself into a, a relationship. I wanted to be loved. I wanted to be feel, feel worthy. And I sort of settled less for my, my worth because of what was happening around me with all the relationships that I had. I just settled for something that was less than my worth. And what I realized was that because of this negativity that was going on in my mind, I was doing this in my relationships. And I know when we had a talk together, I said, because um, I say I'm a survivor of domestic violence. Um, and Marianne Williamson says something very profound in one of her books, A Return to Love. And she said, most of, if you actually hear the internal dialogue in some people's minds, it's probably worse than a domestic violence relationship. And it was that defining moment when I read that book. And I only read that book about three years ago. It sort of woke me up and it made me realise, hold on a second, was I really a survivor of domestic violence or was I fighting my own self-abuse, my own self-destructive behaviour and I just didn't know how to get myself out of it and I got into a relationship where they had their own internal dialogue too and didn't know how to get out of their negative world too. So it was two negative worlds coming together to create amplify it even more which makes it really, really hard to have a successful, happy relationship if you don't have the tools and resources to work together towards it. So I had been um, awarded Educator of the Year 
Um, I also had um, received quite a number of accolades within early childhood education and the companies that I worked for. So I knew I was on the right, the right path, supposedly, and got to the top with this six-figure salary, as mentioned in my bio. And when I reflected on myself and I got to this point and I looked at my relationship, I looked at my career, and then I just went, I'm not actually really happy. I actually feel quite crap. Everyone would say I'm a quite a successful businesswoman, yet I feel like I'm such a failure because I'm not living my purpose and there must be much more to life. And it was a specific conversation I had with a manager and I was being, um, she sort of went, she spoke to me quite negatively and it was that point that it broke me because I was quite a strong, hard woman and go, 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 and this is the way to do this, micromanaging everything, controlling everything in my life because I loved certainty and I loved to control things. So you could only think of how my world used to be, especially in a relationship where it was out of control. There was negativity. My work was negative because I'm always trying to solve problems. There was staff conflicts. There was, I watched a company grow from 50 centers to 150 centers in six months. And so we were trying to put out fires everywhere. And I was just like, there was no escape for me to be happy at all. It was just negative event after negative event at negative event. And this one conversation broke me. And it was like, I was in this deep, dark hole. And there was no light at the top. And then imagine big boulders just falling upon you, bashing you. And it was that point that I realised that I hit the most lowest point in my life where it felt dark, it felt heavy, it felt black, I felt alone and I did not know what to do. So this is where I'm going to say to the audience if you feel exactly that way, as she just mentioned, you are not alone. Other went there before you. Other will go there after you. And there is a way out. Mm. And there was a conversation that I had, actually two that I recall. I had my sister and I had a very, um, an adopted family member, you could say. And they said, Alicia, you're depressed. And I didn't want to accept this label of depressed and the statistics around the world of mental health and well-being. And I went, I've got to do this naturally. I've got to do for the best interest of me. And I thought there's got to be some way. And they tried to push me onto depression tablets and I just said, no, I'm not going to go on to any medication yet. And I had a friend give me a phone call. It was uh, uh, seven days before Valentine's, just after Valentine's Day. And my friend said to me, Alicia, five for your worth. Like I was going through, I started to go through a divorce. I broke up with my ex-husband because he chose a different path in life and I was going to choose a new path. My family had decided they wanted to move interstate and I had to make a big decision in my life to say, okay, I'm packing up all of my belongings. I'm going to move interstate and create this new life. 
So it was a big defining moment. In 2015, I really remember it. <laughs> and so the last words that my friend said to me, she said, fight for your worth, you're worthy. And I'd never heard anyone say that to me, say that I'm worthy and say it so lovingly. And February 15th, I got news that my friend had died by suicide and those were her last words to me. So this is a mantra that is playing in my mind for quite some time. And I always remind myself that I'm worthy of everything. Her internal dialogue, her inner critic and demons got the better of her. And sometimes we hear this in society where the inner critic can be you know, detrimental to a person's life. And so once I moved interstate, so I moved from New South Wales in Australia to Queensland, seven shipping containers. I moved with my mother. I moved with my father, my grandmother, my daughter, uh, my adopted family member, two dogs, two cats. And now we have three acquired chickens now. And we moved to a house on an acre block. And this was the start of the journey of figuring out who am I? What's going to help me move from crappy to happy? You know what happiness is. And how can I cultivate happiness in my life? And so I read the book, The Happiness Journey by Gretchen Rubin. And I did a journal for 12 months and started this journey on seeking happiness and did three things out of my comfort zone. Now, remember, I had a fear of a fear of social anxiety and all of that. So I was getting myself out of this comfort zone of being fearful of everything in my external world to going, right, take this step, take this step and try. And so I got back into running and I got myself into a fitness group, a really great trainer. And I started a weight loss journey. I had put on massive amounts of weight. I was tipping the scales at about 99 kilos, so nearly 100 kilos, which would be in pounds. It's probably 160. <laughs> no, it's more than that. It's nearly 200, like close to 200. It's about half, half. Yeah, about 200. Yeah, it's about 200 pounds. I did not do the exact definition, maybe 190 pounds, something like that. So quite a massive amount of weight. I, That's a lot. Right now, and I was, <laughs> I'm not recognizable. A lot of people see those photos and they go, is that even you? I go, I don't recognize that person because that person was lost. That person didn't know her purpose in life. That person didn't know what direction to go in and I wanted to live in a perfect world, but there, it wasn't really perfect. I was trying to control everything when realistically we can't really control everything. It's a matter of doing things with gratitude, with doing things that will help you to grow by taking those risks, by taking yourself out of that comfort zone. And this is when I started to discover that I actually could do things. I wasn't dumb. I wasn't stupid. I wasn't hopeless. I wasn't worthless. And each month that I did something out of my comfort zone, I started to get, gain more confidence. I started to gain more clarity. I started to take those forward steps. It was a journey, a, a big journey. And I'm still on this journey of figuring out what this happiness is. 
And the more that I do this, I, I find a deeper layer. I find deeper relationships. And that's what's been happening around me right now. And what's been great with all of this is I gained a diploma in business and a certificate for in fitness, which helped with my 30 kilo weight loss, which I can confidently say I've kept 30 kilos, which you said was about 60 pounds. And I've maintained that off for about seven years now. So I might go up and down about five to 10 kilos at a time, but it depends on what my fitness goals are, whether I want to build muscle or shred to do marathons, which I did complete on Sunday. So that was awesome. Don't ask how I did it, but I have a book for that too. Stay tuned. And I realized there was still more to life. And this is when I started to get into the personal development space, started to explore positive psychology. And I realized that I had been, I made more awareness on gratitude and what that actually meant. So a lot of people do gratitude and they go, oh, three things that they're grateful for. Oh, I'm grateful for my house. I'm grateful for my family. But I've actually been going a lot more deeper, deeper understanding and understanding the feeling of it. And so I've created many. So that means like I'm so happy and grateful for my house because it keeps me warm and safe and it allows me to store my things and everything this is how you go about it so first it would be I would be grateful for my house because it that was the level that I was at then if I wanted to go deeper you just went on a deeper level I'm grateful for my house because it gives me a house where I can be warm I can cook my food I can enjoy food with my family I can have deep relationships and I started to dig a little bit deeper in the description on what that actually means for me to help me to feel good because when you remember those moments and those experiences of in the house you start to feel that happiness and so it's about triggering off those feelings and emotions more than just saying oh, I'm just happy for my house well why are you happy for that house what does that actually mean for you and this is what I want to teach people and then I also have, I do meditations as well, where you get to remember moments in time and events that have made you happy. Because although I had many negative events, there's been some really outstanding events that have happened. And it's about bringing me back to those moments and feeling into those moments and holding onto my heart and breathing into that. And you can connect to those times and moments and feelings in time. It's amazing what our minds can do and really trigger off those emotions. And so this is why I do gratitude every single day. So I don't feel crappy and I feel more happy. And it's one of my magical, magical powers, I could say, to say, hey, gratitude actually works. And right now, um, I've actually published a two-part series, a little white book, um, little white book of gratitude and I've actually committed to 365 days of gratitude and I'm into the second part of my journal and it's been absolutely amazing to see that every day even though I may be sick <laughs> which I have been um as I cough <laughs> two weeks ago I was bedridden but I was still um able to find the gratitude in like why I was sick and say, well, 
I'm sick. It's actually giving me a chance to rest and recover and lay in my bed, feel warm and get myself better. And each day has something special. And before I couldn't find those special moments. Now I'm finding the special moments in negative and positive events that happen on a day-to-day. And I have six months of amazing events that have happened. And I'm like going, wow, instead of one or two things that I used to think about in 2015 with doing three experiences per month, I now have 30 days worth of events and, and moments in time. And this is great because it gets you away from feeling crappy every single day and actually feeling motivated and driven on what's going to make you feel grateful for the moments that you have in time. There have been moments where I've um, played with fire, like death has been at my door. In 2014, I was meant to have my second baby and unfortunately there was a negative complication that happened. Um, I didn't, I wasn't able to deliver the baby and my blood pressure went 60 over 40 and I nearly went into cardiac arrest and I had an out-of-body experience. So this was just before my mental breakdown. And so the reason why I say this is we're so lucky to be alive here on earth and to have these moments where you have these near-death experiences or mental breakdowns. We've got to we've got to savor each moment like it's like it's our last and live every day like it's our last because you never know what could happen. I can totally relate with you because I did also experience that kind of situation when out of the blue you just lose it you you just go to the light and you feel the most peaceful of all everything is fine you feel that you are finally liberated and you can finally rest but then you hear suddenly the voice completely freaked out of your partner calling your name and when you actually hear that you realize that you are actually sleeping on the ground in the middle of the place where you're not supposed to be meaning that actually you did faint and actually it has been like a near-death experience or something like that and for about the five years that followed this experience I was very very um, grateful and wise about the fact of being alive and how much instantly in a in a second in a split second everything can stop Mm. yeah totally and you don't know when it happens but suddenly it does Mm. yeah all right how so this gratitude practice what i did was like 50 a minimum of 50 lines of gratitude every single day for 120 days. It was like two hours writing by hand because it was then on top of that, all the achievements of last day that I can remember, I did that and that and that. But like, even like I did get up and I did take my medication. I did think about that. And I did make I did prepare some meal and, and, and congratulations for that. And all those little victories and suddenly like, and I, I, I closed the deal and I'm happy for that. And all of that. And the fact of having done the gratitude, the victories, and then 
the expectation of more abundance coming in were my three daily journal, my, my practice two hours a day, writing by hand consistently four months, 120 days in a row. I think that so far, this is what led me the farthest. Amazing. So a takeaway that our audience can take to move from feeling crappy to feeling really happy and grateful. Typically your gratitude method, I guess. Exactly right. How does exactly. it work? How does it work? I always say there's not just one way of doing gratitude or implementing it like you've just shared like you've shared with me 120 days of gratitude and writing for two hours I have different products and services and uh, rituals and habits that you can embed and it's a matter of finding what works for you because we have millions of different strategies that we can do one way I've I was told a few months ago, that there's 120 different ways to wash the dishes. Did you know that? No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so it's important. And so what I wanted to do for my audience was that it's more than just saying, if you want to do three, day, uh, three things you're grateful for, if you want to do 120 days of gratitude, you can do that. You can do meditation. It's about finding ways on how you can feel and experience gratitude. And so I've created different resources and tools on how to cultivate that, how to experience and feel it, and how to bring more of it in your life. And each moment in time during the day. So yes, I have my gratitude journal that I do write in at the night, in night and do a bit of reflective practice. At the same time throughout the day, I'm always expressing gratitude. And this is giving me such momentum. And by giving it, I'm receiving this back on a really crazy level. There's, there's every single day I'm receiving a message from someone saying, thank you for what you did for me. Thank you for your gratitude journal. Thank you for providing this information. And this is what's been helping with stronger relationships, having positive relationships, and that's transformed from that negative relationship that I have to now having these positive ones in my reality right now. And I'm choosing the positive relationships. If there's a negative, if I notice that there's a negative relationship going on, I choose not to continue that relationship, whether it be a friendship. And I have had um, a couple of boyfriends in the past and I've noticed that and I just go, no, it's not working here. This is the way that I live life. Let's move through this. And I also help a lot of um, people cultivate it within their relationships too. I've had loads of interviews with people. I've also published a book with 22 other authors about gratitude and how it saved their life. And they've given 20... 22 different ways on how to cultivate or bring gratitude in their life. Some do it as partners. And so when they finish work or their working day, they come together and they give and express their deep gratitude for each other. And I think that's really special given the fact that domestic violence is on the rise. 
if we were to implement this simple practice into a relationship, how much would that transform a relationship if you said, you know, I'm really grateful for what you did. Thank you so much for making dinner tonight. I'm really grateful because I see this within you. And you can't have negative and positive at the same time. It just doesn't work. And it creates new neuro pathways to create positivity around you. And this is the impact that I want to have is for people to have deeper relationships with each other as friends, in, in marriage, in partnerships. This is what we should be doing with each other. There's so much negativity going on and we don't need, we don't need it. We're all here and we all want, we're all seeking that happiness. We all want to be loved. We want to feel loved. We want to feel those loving feelings. So why not start doing it through the practice of gratitude? It's just absolutely gorgeous. Thank you for sharing so much accumulated wisdom over the years, over experience, over downs and ups and downs and ups. And mm -hmm. Thank you for bringing solutions that are implementable. And um, in the description of this episode, there is all kind of ways to reach out to you. And basically it's hbcoaching.com.au if you just want to, to go quickly and have a look. <laughs> so yeah, our TikTok is the gratitude method. If we just take something easy to remember. Alicia, this has been an amazing journey. You, you have such a talent at just storytelling. So amazing that I did not need to interrupt you in any way, shape or form, because you're just like a free flowing, easy to understand storyteller. So it's hard to believe that you failed your English because you're truly impeccable. So just keep up because it keep up with happiness and gratitude as you do because this is the way to go this is the way of being happy how do you cultivate happiness with happiness <laughs> exactly right right and thank you so much for your really kind words when people say i'm tearing up when people say this to me it brings tears of joy tears of joy now instead of tears oh. of sadness i used to have tears of sadness and every time I hear words of, my love language is words of affirmation, if you haven't realised. <laughs> and when I hear this, it, it's beautiful to hear it. It's music to my ears and it warms my heart. It fills up my cup. And that's what we need to do is always remember to fill up our cup before we fill up the cups of others. So I want to say thank you so much for, for this experience and allowing me to share my story and also acknowledge how far I've come with my English and my oh, communication yeah. skills and oh, storytelling. <laughs> speaking as well, like speaking, oh, I used to say lots of ums, lots of ahs, and it, it was really crazy how much my, uh, there was a delay in my language skills and my communication skills so people could understand me because I'm like, why can't people understand me? And it's because I've been practicing and writing and writing is such a great way to express yourself and get into that storytelling. So whether you want to journal and just brain dump your experiences, whether you want to do gratitude, whatever that is for you, express yourself. Mm. It's a great way to heal, as I say. Express, 
press. Exactly. And, feel, and, and another beautiful quote that I love is feel to heal. It's true. It's true. When you feel, you can then make a decision about, okay, do you like this feeling or you don't? Okay, so how do you want to go about it? Exactly you want right. to keep on feeling that or you want to shift it around? Exactly right. And you have that choice. You do. Every single instant of life, you have the choice of how you feel. Though it may feel that you do not have the choice, but the truth is that we have. And the truth is that when we shift how we think and the story we tell ourselves, our entire life shifts. This is how we go from crappy to happy. <laughs> exactly right <laughs> all right Alicia thank you so much for being here today thank you for joining me on this real talk real woman experience conversation helping others grab hope grab inspiration grab a direction an example something to look forward to thank you thank you all right have a great day you too. Bye for now. Bye.